Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour, brought to you by AllAccessMMA.com. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. This week, uh, we have the pleasure of being joined by uh, newly UFC KO artist, Justin mm-hmm. Janes. Uh, Justin, thanks for joining us, my man. Hey, man, my pleasure. Glad to be on the show. So uh, I'm sure you've you've been asked this enough times, but when I heard it uh, during the broadcast, I know you weren't on TV for, for a very long. You had that first round KO over Frank Camacho. Um, but Guitar Hero, can you explain where that comes from? Were you really good at the game? like, Or do you play guitar? Where does that come from? I don't play the car- guitar. I never was great at the game. Uh, but, you know, in like 2008, I believe that's when Guitar Hero was hot. You know, I'd be in college and uh, we'd just be jamming on Guitar Hero. Like I almost got kicked out of college because me and my friends would just play it, you know, so much. And then we go to parties and play it and just get stupid and dance around and be stupid. And uh, excuse me, my college roommate uh, dared me one time. He's like, I bet you won't walk to the cage, you know, dressed as a rocker, rocking out to your Guitar Hero, you know, as the song is playing. And like three fights in a row, like in, in Michigan, the walk is like 150 yards. So I'd be like, I don't know, I'd be like rock, you know, I'd, I'd be just strumming the guitar, dancing, being stupid, you know, pulling the crowd into it, dancing with fans and shit. Like, I, honestly, my fight style was so boring from 2007 to like 2011 that I wanted a gimmick that people could be like, oh, I remember because no one was ever going to remember me for knocking people out back then. I had no striking. Yeah. Um, I didn't start working with Kara Road to like 2009 or 2010. Mm-hmm. And then it took a lot for me to get sharpen my striking up. So. I knew that taking guys down to rear naked and choking them all the time wasn't that exciting. So I'd always try to come up with a gimmick to make people remember me. And I haven't went by that name since like 2009. And when Bruce Buffer said that, I was like, motherfucker, like, all right, let's fucking roll. <laughs> I imagine that's why, uh, according to Tapology, your foundation style is Jedi Master. You didn't actually train under Yoda. Yeah. Yeah. So Darren Cookshank, <laughs> who that is, uh, he fights for Rise now, fought for the UFC, fought for the UFC like 15 times. Uh, we were college room. And uh, we all, we always just people would ask like you know what's like what's your style because I'm not a wrestler I'm not a boxer I'm not a kickboxer and I hate saying freestyle fighter because it just sounds so tacky and everyone says I'm a freestyle fighter or you know in Michigan the big thing was like if you announce yourself as a freestyle fighter it just meant you were a street fighter basically mm-hmm. I was like all right I can run with this and I went by Justin the Jedi James for a while as well uh so people say like you know what's your style i'm a jedi master man so anyways (laughs) that's a good i mean that's a good take on it i was actually going to say when you mentioned the whole the the i don't want to say stigma but the the, i remember uh whenever i saw freestyle fighter on on a guy's background i would that's the first thing i would think i'm like he's just a brawler or, or what have you but um back to your uh uh your win and uh one thing i keep seeing they said it during the broadcast. I don't know if you've you've had a chance to re- watch the fight yourself, but during the broadcast, they said something that uh, a quote that I keep seeing that's from you. It's on the UFC website. I heard it during the broadcast, but pretty much like the way you fu- you got this opportunity, as far as with the little bit of time you had to prepare, you were kind of just like, "I'm gonna go all out and knock him out or get knocked out because you know this is this is my shot." Um, can you just take us through that process and 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 like, did hearing Bruce Buffer say your name help add fuel to that fire to get the win? It's, you know, it's, 
honestly, the biggest thing that gave any fuel was Dana White. So the night before the fight, Dana, you know, took the fighters in the room and he'd given us this, this pep talk about, hey, you're going to have a million uh, viewers tomorrow night. You know, somebody can, you can change your life. You know, coming from a blue collar family, you know, coming from a place we've never had a lot of money. Hell, I'm at my parents' house in Michigan right now. They still don't have the internet. Like I'm running mm. off, you know. Oh, wow. We're not poor by any means. We just, you know, we, we live slightly. And, you know, I just remember him saying, like, you can change. You have the opportunity tomorrow. You have 15 minutes to change your life and your family's life. He didn't direct it towards me. He said it broadly. But I took that to heart. And I, and I just thought about it all night long. And it's like, yeah, sure, I could try to wrestle Frank. You know, I had a college wrestling background. I wrestled four years in college. I'm a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. I could probably maybe find a submission. But to the casual fan, and to, not to every fan, but to the casual fan, wrestling is boring. And, you know, like how often do you, there's no such thing as the takedown of the night. You don't get a $50,000 for taking someone down. You get $50,000 for knocking someone's head off. Mm-hmm. And all I can think about, like if you're watching the fight and Bruce is announcing my name, he's looking at me and I'm just like, wow, this is surreal. And there's at one point in the fight, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because I remember it so fucking well. I'm looking straight at Frank and he's pacing back and forth. And Bruce is pointing me with his name card and he's getting closer and I just remember thinking like, yes, I'm supposed to be here. And I start nodding my head. I'm just like, I'm supposed to be here. This is my fucking time. I'm knocking and I'm getting goosebumps because I just mm. remember. And uh, I told my corner that I wasn't going to take one step backwards in the fight. I said, I'm going forward the whole time. He's going to go forward the whole time. I think it's going to be a phone boost style fight. It's going to be exciting. Whether I get knocked out or he gets knocked out, it's going to be exciting. And that's what I want. I wanted the fans buzzing about it for as long as I can. I mean, obviously there's been more exciting knockouts than mine. Of course there has, but I did the best I could for with what I had. Uh, at one point in the fight, he threw a, a left, uh, he threw a switch kick to a, the body and I took a half step backwards. And I remember thinking in my head like, motherfucker, you're not supposed to go backwards. And that's, you know, when I led with that leaping left hook and followed it up, <clears throat> excuse me, and followed it up. Have you ever thought about what that would have felt like with a crowd of 20,000 there? <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine what it would, you know, I, I've been very fortunate, you know, be, coming from a wrestling background, you know, our weekday tournaments in high school, in college, there's 25 people in the in the span or in the crowd. You know what I mean. And then you get to the state finals, you are the or the national finals, and there's 20,000 people. So you know, people ask like, oh, were you were you more nervous, less nervous because there was less people? You know, fortunately, I have so much experience uh, fighting in the small I mean, shit. I had my amateur debut in 2007 in front of maybe 50 people. You know, and I've had 50 amateur fights. That was my 20th pro fight. You know, I just it, I don't care if there was 10 people there or. 10,000 people there. I was set on a mission. I was tunnel vision. Uh, the only time I noticed that there wasn't people there is after it pulled me off, I was just filled with all this emotion, uncontrollable emotion. Mm-hmm. I just flexed out. I'm like, ah, yeah. And when I heard it echo back and nothing else, I was like, well, that was kind of fucking weird, but eh, who cares? <laughs> I was like, that's the only, that's the only kind of weird feeling I must say I felt. I mean, the adrenaline uh, was, was super obvious uh, that went through you when you, when you picked up that win, um did you have a chance to watch it yet or no yeah i've watched it uh only ten thousand times <laughs> well good that's good i mean uh it, it's 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 definitely worth re-watching i re-watched it myself as i was working earlier today from home but um so uh but the one thing as i rewatched it i was wondering as far as like uh preparation because i if if i i think i remember you were the underdog and they mentioned it during the broadcast um you- was it yeah, and I feel like I think that's the card where a lot of the underdogs won. Um, I, I might be wrong about that because there's so many events. Uh, uh, me and Matt are starting to confuse them. But um, so one thing, uh, the preparation with with the time you had to prepare. Um, do you think that 
that uh in in Camacho's view that he was taking you lightly because uh of how the match came to be or can is, is there what, what's your side of that of that story you know fortunately for me i have a great management company jason house iridium sports i have mm. great coaches and they've been staying on me for the last six weeks training make sure you're training make sure your weight's low it's not like i rolled off the couch to fight frank camacho mm-hmm. frank is a seasoned vet that was his eighth seventh or eighth ufc fight and he and he knows that so looking at it from a fan perspective like oh they just pulled this guy in he's rolling off the couch frank's a huge you know a huge favorite i Frank knew that he was in, like, he, uh, it's funny because he had been in our gym the whole week prior and oh, wow. knew, he know like, he didn't know that he was fighting me because obviously he thought he was fighting for Vola. But when he, like, when I got called, he's like, fuck dude, this guy has been in the gym all week. You know, he's, I sparred on Tuesday. I wrestled on Wednesday. I grappled on Monday, like pro, like pro class stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, fuck this, this guy's no slouching. And, and, and Frank, unfortunately was in a position to where it's a lose, lose for him. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I feel bad for him because we're talking about a guy that has eight, seven or eight UFC fights. Three, he's been a part of three or four uh, performance of the night bonuses for his slugfest. And you're getting a guy that's not only am I hungry, I'm in shape, I made weight, and I have everything to gain and nothing to lose. And he has, you know, unfortunately, he had, in this situation, he had nothing to gain. You know, he's if he wins, oh, you knocked out a guy that you're a huge favorite for. You beat a guy that you're a huge favorite for. You're supposed to do that. If he loses, unfortunately, like he or fortunately for me, unfortunate for him, like you know, now 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 his he he lost a lot of height, man, and mm. I feel for him. But unfortunately, this is a doggy dog world. I like Frank. I'm a fan of Frank Camacho. When I heard I'm fighting Frank Camacho, I'm like, no fucking way. Like, I didn't know who he was until uh, he had that fight of the night with Damian something, Damian Norris or something like that. And I saw that fight. I was like, holy fuck, I'm fighting this guy. Like I watched this fight. Like what is happening right now? And it, it took, you know, it took time for me to understand. And then when Herb pulled me off, it's like, I knew, I've, I know I'm supposed to be here for this long. So long story short. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, I feel everything worked out the way it's supposed to. Are you talking Damian Brown, the same Damian Brown that fought crunk shake in Ryzen? Uh, yeah. I think Darren knocked him out too. Right. Uh, guillotine choke. Ooh, whoops. Um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, because yeah, Darren was winning the fight and then got guillotine choked, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what that's what that's and, right. And Damien's tough, man, and Frank and him just got in the pocket and slug. And I watched the fight the night before and I remember thinking, like, this is my dream. I want my fight exactly like this. I want to bleed and I want to bleed and I want to be, you know, chirping at him and him chirping at me, like, let's go hard. And all I could think about is that performance bonus, not the money, but just everybody. In my mind, I could hear everybody at home screaming and my, my family. And it was, like I said, my son. Like, I don't know, man. I'm just so overcome with emotion because mm-hmm. of all the support I've got. And I and I know how many people have been rooting for me and how hard it's been for me to keep on this grind, you know, making, you know, less than 25 grand a year the last 10 years. Yeah. And, and countless times where I want to quit. And, you know, I just, I know my mom was crying. My son was crying. My dad's crying. And, and I, I didn't even see him. I just knew it. I just know and yeah. uh that was a very time for me well the uh one thing uh from uh watching at home the perspective it just seemed like it seemed like his view was like he he had three rounds to kind of work you and and you kind of had the opposite like you like you said it's opportunity i got i got to give in or get put out and 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 it came out there so congratulations to you for for doing that but um i was just wondering if uh if if uh that was something you saw you know, being there live versus what we see at home. 
um it just looked like you it just looked like you you it was an all or an all or nothing you know opportunity for you uh yeah it definitely was an all or nothing opportunity but with that being said i was ready to go three rounds i just you know i just wanted to get in there and slug i, I didn't want to go three rounds nobody wants to three rounds that there's you don't hear a fighter like yeah i mean i'd love to fight three rounds like fuck that i want to get in there and i want to hit this guy and I, and, and I wanted to get hit too like excuse me it's i can't say that i was going to be in my prime shape for three rounds but i mean just on tuesday i sparred six rounds with killers i'm, I'm mm. sparring guys like johnny case who's in rising um you know uh jeez uh, well kevin lee's out right now but uh I, i'm, I'm kind of having a brain fart right now but you know I, i'm sparring with ufc guys that you know that have been in the ufc for years and years and years boston salmon you know awesome striker roman isbel he wasn't in the ufc but he's an incredible striker you know, I was, I was in shape to brawl for 15 minutes. Uh, I never thought the fight was going to go 15 minutes, not because of my cardio, uh, just because I thought that I was going to knock him out or I was going to get knocked out uh, within the first round and a half. You came into this fight on a four-fight win streak. Prior to that, you had a loss, and then and then you had five wins prior to that, uh, at least according to the, the records that I, I look at. Was there uh, – were you – was it a surprise call? Were you on the rate? Has the UFC been in contact with you dealing with all these guys that you're training with? Were, were you on their radar that you felt? Uh, was it a surprise call, basically, or was it or was something you were kind of expecting? You know, being ready for. You know, I've been expecting this call. So my last fight against James Warfield was last year, May 31st, and after that fight, uh, my manager at the time said, "Hey, I talked to Sean. You're in. Your next fight will be in the UFC." And I am freaking hype. I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, oh my God, I just beat James Warfield, who had like, he was like 10 with, I don't know, 20 some knockouts. And I'm just like, oh shit, you know, I just beat it at 170 at that too. And he missed 170. I think it was at 175. And so I'm at the ultimate peak, May 31st. And then June comes and I start dropping. And then, you know, and as time keeps going, it's like, this is just never going to happen. Mm. I never thought I'd come. And, you know, again, my management company, my manager, my manager, Jason House, just staying on me, telling me it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Stay, stay, stay ready, stay ready. My coaching staff, if it wasn't for these guys, I would be 200 pounds in a fat slob mm. uh, eating pizza every day, you know. But these guys, you know, they kept me honest with my diet. They kept me honest with my training. Uh, so was the call a surprise? Uh, the timing was always a surprise. They could have called me six months ago. They could have called me now. You never knew when the call was coming. Uh, I, just, I knew it was coming. I just never knew when it was coming. You know, it, it just seems like, um, I mean, uh, it, it sounds weird to say, but this whole situation with the pandemic, because MMA has kind of kept uh, going forward, it's created these opportunities for for folks that were in waiting like like you like you were or are. Um, and now that you're in, uh, like, well, do you know what's next? Have they let you know, like, you know, keep your keep your phone nearby, stay on wait. We might need you again soon. So when I hit the second left hook and Frank fell, our, our foreheads clashed mm. and I got on my bra. I just pulled the stitches out. I don't know if you can see it very well. Oh yeah. Uh, right here. Uh, I'm on a 45 day suspension from that, okay. uh, which because I'm looking for, I, like I said, I'm in shape. I'm looking for a quick turnaround. So I'm in Michigan, just enjoying my time with my family right now until July 12th. Once I get back to July 12th, I'm going to ease back into training and I'm, I'm ready for another short notice fight by August. I'll be ready for another short notice fight and, I, and I'll be expecting one as well. Mm. after getting the bonus and stuff did you treat yourself to anything i imagine you didn't go out and splurge too much but is there anything you treated yourself to with a little extra cash in the bank honestly no man i i just it's uh i just cleared all my debt you know these I, keep in mind again i 
I've been making $25,000 a year for the last 10 years. Like, unfortunately I have credit card debt and I have, you know, debt to, you know, to not, not, not like, Oh my God, I can't believe you have all this debt. But for the first time in my life, I'm debt free, man. And I couldn't be happier about it. Uh, I'm going to save the money. You know, I, I'm putting some towards my, my son's college. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll probably put some towards some hunting trips. So hunting and fishing are my, my passions. And so I'm sure I'll put some money towards, towards some, uh, some fun hunting and fishing trips at the end of the year. So while it didn't completely change your lifestyle, Dana, when Dana said it could change your life, it was true. I mean, just getting out of debt and being able to put money towards your, your son's uh, college is, is almost life changing for the majority of this country. It's, it's, it's so incredible because Tuesday, you know, I I walked in the gym, I get a call from a debt collector, like, Oh, you owe $1,200 in this credit card, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, when I get it, you'll get it. Like, I just don't have it right now. Like I'll keep paying my minimum $25 a month payment. She calls Wednesday. I was like, I just talked to you yesterday. Like, what do you like? Nothing is happening. <laughs> I'm not getting making 1200 bucks to send you overnight. So stop calling me. Yeah. And she called me on Monday after Saturday. And I was like, Boo, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's great when you can do that too. So definitely. I mean, that's uh, to me, that's, that falls under life changing for sure, man. So, um, a huge amount of debt, but it was enough to make me uncomfortable. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, debt, debt kind of has a way of doing that, sneaking up on you and making you uncomfortable. But, um, hey, man, I mean, that's that's good that that you took care of that, and and there's some left over. I, I would think that with that type of debut in the UFC and the fact that that you know you 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 took the fight the way you did, it seems to me from what we've been seeing thus far with the way the UFC has had to change this part of their their year with the planning and everything. I would think that you're definitely somebody who's uh like you know got a little sticky note on the rolodex in the ufc offices for sure so uh i I, uh the hunting and fishing i'm sorry go ahead i told dan i told sean anytime you know i want i want to you know i might i might go down to 145 with the proper camp you know within eight ten weeks i can make 145 now i gotta talk it over with my coaches because it has to be a really strict plan but my home's at 155 but i'll tell you what i'll go up to 170 i'll scrap with anybody if it's short notice, I'll fight a 70 pounder. I don't care. I, I just enjoy the competition. It's not like, oh, I I, I want to hurt somebody. I enjoy hurting. That's not it. I just like the competition. I love the stress. You know, when I was younger wrestling, my dad always say, you know, uh, uh, pressure makes rubble or it makes diamonds. Mm-hmm. And that's and when, when I got that call and there was so much pressure and I talked to my dad, he goes, yeah, you either make or break and, and this is it. So uh, long story short, I'm going to be ready for, a set, or for a sh- another short notice call quick. So you're comfortable with uh with that thirty pound range between one seventy and one forty five? It's you know I, I've always just you know in high school I wrestled at one sixty in uh, college I fifty five and uh, I fight at one fifty five uh, as a pro I have two fight I'm two and zero at one eighty five um, I don't like it uh, uh, it was fucking terrible uh, one was a bad circumstance uh, well no they both were just terrible circumstances uh, it just one of them I, I, I overlooked an opponent. Like, oh, he's 500, like, fight him at 185. I was like, all right, bet. And then I hit him as hard as I could, and he's like, come on, let's go. And I was like, this <laughs> I had it not long here. And yeah. I fight India, like, two years ago, and I was getting ready for a regular opponent. And then the day before, like, hey, uh, your opponent got injured, but we switched him with this guy, uh, Abdul Sami. And Abdul Sami was, like, six foot three. He mm. cut weight to make 185 pounds. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm walking around at 170. Like, what the fuck? And like, you don't have to fight him, but if you don't, you don't get paid. And mind you, I'm in India with no money. So uh, I was like, all right, I'll fight him. And, uh, you know, I was able to get out of it. 
but or I was able to get get through the fight and get the win, but not the way I wanted to. Kind of brings me to where I want to go with this now. So we we talked about the Camacho fight. This interview was helped being helped lined up by uh, Johnny Hughes, who we had on the program, uh, one of our early shows, and uh, a friend of the show, and, and and a buddy of mine through the MMA world. Um, he tells me a story, and he actually predicted your win. Uh, he gave us a little lesson on the MMA community dot com uh, prior to your fight. He was uh, he was fully in your corner, but he tells me a story about. Uh, a fight that's not listed on any of the fight finders uh, that you and him had uh, back in the day in Indiana. Uh, I think he told me it was a three, three round fight, uh, soccer kicks, knees to the head. Uh, and, but he said you guys took it on 10 minute notice. Um, I want to kind of hear how you kind of got into this and the craziness of that time. I'm a historian for this sport. So I love hearing the wildness of the Midwest. I was here for the wildness of the West coast, but I'd love to hear how that, that happened and, and uh, kind of maybe how, how you and Johnny got in the cage together and uh, how you guys became friends after that. Yeah. So he probably remembers the fight better than I do. So I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to be too specific about it. Um, but you know, the Midwest, as you know, we used to call it the wild, wild West, man. There was no sanctioning. I could, I would, Johnny probably has, I fought, I'd fight twice in one night. I remember one time when I fought Johnny, I fought Saturday I fought Thursday and then I fought Saturday again because it didn't matter. I remember my buddy Rocky can too. He had a gash above his eye that had stitches in it and he, they allowed him to fight. Like there, there was no rules. There was no sanctioning. And, and there's something I appreciated about the olden days is when, when you showed up to fight, you didn't know who you're going to fight, but you showed up because you wanted to see who the toughest guy in the area was, who the toughest guy in the state was, the Midwest, whatever it was. It's not like that anymore. It's a business now. Oh, well, this guy has good wrestling and I have good date takedown. Deep. It's, it's just all matchup bullshit. I feel I'm the last generation fighter that came from this, this wild, wild West per se. But anyways, to Johnny and I, yeah, I showed up in Muncie, Indiana in this big like warehouse with a friend of mine named Annie McLaughlin and Chaz Bowling was the promoter. And I believe the promotion was called ECC. And, uh, Chaz, I believe had saw me fight before, or he knew me through, uh, a mutual friend of ours, James Lee. And, uh, he set me up with Johnny. Um, I can't remember what my record was. I, I knew, uh, I knew that I was supposed to lose though, because John, I only had like three fights. Johnny had a slew of fights and he's an incredible fighter. And I'm going to try to say how the fight went. Johnny would probably know better than me has a better memory than me, but I believe that something happened. We ended up in a wrestling exchange. I ended up in a triangle. He had me in a triangle and I believe he gassed out or something, but I got, I remember thinking to myself that I wanted to tap and I didn't, I get out of the triangle and I'm in side position and I start kneeing him in the head on the ground. Hmm. And at the end, I mean, he gassed out, I need him in the head and I believe, and again, he would know better than me. Um, I finished in a uh, North South choke. I finished the fight in the North South choke, or it might've been finished from TKO due to knees to the head, but it was crazy, man. We could stomp each other on the head. We could, like I said, I need him in the head on the ground three or four times. Uh, it just looking back, like a lot of man, we should have been fucked up a lot way, a lot worse than we than we did get. You know, we got lucky to get away with that stuff. You mentioned James Lee. Are you talking about the the old James Lee, the fighter, the guy who fought Travis View and yeah, yeah, uh, James yeah. Luna and all those guys? Yeah. So James was one of my coaches back in the day. Uh, he, he's still one of my mentors. I talk to him almost every day. I just talked to him yesterday. Actually, he's a godfather of my son. Um, he coached me through mass gym for a long time. He was, you know, basically my head coach until I moved to Vegas. Uh, he's traveled all over the world to corner me and, uh, to corner, to corner his other fighters, man. I couldn't say enough about the guy and how much I appreciate him. 
You know, I, I have to ask just because, you, I mean, you told the story uh, with Johnny and, and I mean, uh, you know, as long as we've been watching this sport, when you look at when you look at how it's evolved and and uh, to where, you know, from when from when you started to where you wound up uh, now with the with the win and everything, um, was it always uh, was it always in, in, in mind? Was it always in sight that this is where this is this is the end game for me? Like this is my goal to to get in the UFC because sometimes it seems like guys are just fighting to fight or or like like what was your what what was your view back when you fought, when you had that fight with Johnny? Uh, I don't know what fight it was. It might have been the Johnny fight um, that I decided I wanted to be a UFC fighter. And when I graduated college, when I was 21 years old, I, I thought to myself is how can I pay my bills? How can I train full time? Because in Michigan, I live an hour away from any good gym. Right now, the best gym in Michigan, I believe, is Michigan Top Team. And they're in Dearborn, uh, Darren Crookshanks gym. And uh, it's an hour away. I can't, it's, I tried to work, you know, full time and then go train afterwards. And I just couldn't keep a pace going. So when Extreme Couture called me to put me as one of the wrestling coaches, and I'd make two, 300 bucks a week starting, um, I jumped on it, man. I went down there. I bought, I got this little, shitty apartment that I could afford. And, uh, I, excuse me, I started training there full-time working there full-time as I still do now. And, uh, you know, that's, and that's why I moved to Vegas. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you moved to Vegas to party and stuff. No, I moved there for the convenience of being able to work and train at the same place. And, you know, like I said, over the last 10 years there, um, I, I got my Brown belt under, uh, Robert Paulus and Dennis Davis. Um, I'm shooting to get my black belt by the end of this year. Now with COVID, uh, you know, coming out, I might be delayed a little longer, but I'm going to stay on the grind, man. I'm going to keep my gi on and, uh, you know, keep evolving with the sport and evolving with grappling. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I, I don't know. That's, that's what I got to say about that. This might be a shot in the dark, but being a wrestler in Michigan, did you ever train with, uh, Dan Severn? Uh, so I never trained with Dan Severn. Uh, I went to college with his son though. So, I can't, I, he was a, he was a heavier weight. I can't remember what weight he was, but Dan would come into the wrestling room. And I remember an old friend of mine, Rocky Cantu actually worked for Dan for a while, uh, trying to get his gym in cold water going again. Uh, Dan called me, asked me, uh, to move from Vegas to come to Michigan to run his gym in cold water. But it was a, uh, uh it was a, uh, shit. You, it wasn't an hourly salary. It was a commission-based gym. So basically I had to, you know, try to get his gym going. I would get paid on how many members I could get, but I had such a good thing already in Vegas. I already had a, had an hourly, hourly wage job. And I didn't know if I moved back to Michigan to Coldwater to run Dan's gym, you know, I, I could have fizzled out after a couple months and then I, you know, I'd have been stuck, but long story short, uh, to answer your question, I've never trained with Dan personally. Was he a big name in the wrestling world in Michigan when you were growing up? Uh, now when I was growing up, I didn't really hear about his name until, uh, until I actually started doing MMA. And I think the first time I saw him was in pro wrestling. Well, I mean, it sounds like, uh, uh, your answer to the question I asked is it just goes to show that, I mean, the, to pursue what, what, where, to pursue the path to get to where you've gotten, you kind of have to, there's obviously a lot of sacrifices you have to make and put forth. And, um, I mean, you really do have to make fighting your life which you kind of did. So I think that's, that, that's a good message to send out to the future generations of fighter and where the sport, uh, you know, pro pro MMA fighters, I don't think get the enough credit, um, you know, because they don't know enough about what you guys do. I mean, I'm always impressed with, with fighters like yourself, even like, especially when it's someone younger, 
Like there's fighters I've interviewed in Bellator that are 19, 20 years old. And it's like, I'm so impressed that you know now that this is what you want to do versus somebody discovering it, you know, like my like myself late in my 30s or late in my 20s or whatever it is. So, I mean, congrats to you, man. I'm, I'm actually really, I can see you're excited talking about it. And, and it actually makes me feel excited too, seeing, seeing the reward, you reap the rewards. You know, it, it, it's been such a hard road. And I'm not going to say my road's harder than anybody else's. Everyone has their own path. You know, some people get there quicker. Some people, you know, it takes for me, like I said, I've went through three or four generations at Extreme Couture, guys coming to the gym, getting UFC fizzling out. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I'm still just plugging along. But, you know, when it comes down, there's uh, a motivational speaker, Eric Thomas, you know, that, that Michigan State guy. He talked to Michigan State a couple of times. And something he said to me that always that always stuck out is, when that alarm goes off and, you know, being, being a black belt, man, you put in your time, you know, you know, like there's days where you're, you're supposed to go training. You're like, Fuck, I just don't want to go train. Why are you training? You're training for yourself. I'm training for my family, man. Like my mom's, you know, she's, she's fronted my bills, you know, a couple of times over the last five years, you know, it's like, who, who am I to sleep in? Like she goes to work every day, eight o'clock in the morning. Why the fuck am I sleeping in until 11 o'clock? She's at work. And then she's going to give me money if, you know, if I need it for my bills. So that, that was a big motivation. And the second, my second biggest motivation is my son is I moved to Vegas, you know, when he was, he probably was like two years old when I moved to Vegas and I get him every summer and I have a great relationship with his mom and a great relationship with his stepdad. And he's very blessed to have all three of us care for him as much as we do. But when it comes down to it is if I just fizzle out as, you know, uh, just another guy that, you know, had 30 pro fights and never made it anywhere. Like for all he knows, I just moved away and I partied my face off. But now I've solidified myself, you know, second fastest finish in the UFC at lightweight division. For the rest of his life, he's going to know that I was here putting in work and, you know, I set up my goals and it took me a little longer than I thought it would, but I accomplished them, man. And that's my most proud, proud thing I can say about the whole situation. So being 30 with 70 fights to get to this point, what's your, uh, what's your physical, uh, shape like i'm not shape but did you suffer a lot of injuries through the years uh have you are you a are you a fresh 30 or do you, uh what's the wear and tear been like over the years uh you know i feel as good as i did when i was 19 i mean my warm-ups take a little bit longer uh but you know i had hand surgery i broke my left hand in training last year i broke my right hand the year before that uh right before i broke my right hand i broke my right foot in training broke mm. my left foot for king of the cage uh in training i, I had to crack up my sternum um at a partial tear MCL. Like it's, I feel out of all the injuries I've had as of right now, I feel re-motivated. I feel hungry again because these last couple of years have been tough, you know, especially financially. But now once I got that call, once I signed that contract, my body feels like it's been rejuvenated. I just hit the fountain of youth. I got 10 more years. Hopefully I can last all in the UFC for these next 10 years and uh, make a run at something. But you've That's been lucky, and lucky enough to avoid any kind of reconstructive surgery on anything. Uh, just my hand, you know, I have a plate in my hand uh, and that's it, man. Yeah. I've, 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 I've avoided through all the years of football, through all the years of uh, wrestling, no, no uh, full tears, no, no knee surgery. Uh, the hand surgery is the worst thing that's happened uh, from a surgical standpoint. And uh, like, I think it's stronger now than it ever has been, man. I mean, ask Frank, like I fucking hit him in the face with the left hand. And uh... <laughs> so, so uh, just to ask, uh, I mean, obviously so you, you, you hit, you made your goal. You can check that off. You're in the UFC now. So obviously, as, as you're a martial artist. You know, martial arts is all about evolution. So now that you're where you're at, I mean, you, you mentioned the three weight classes, but ideally, long term, I know it's it's this is technically just the beginning for you in the UFC. But long term, I mean, if, if, if you had to 
look at, at the title you're going to go after of the three weight classes, which one uh, uh, is, is most preferable. Is it 155 because that's your home or? Yeah, it, it's 155. And, you know, 145, you know, we've tossed it around a lot. And I've made a couple of weak attempts to get down there. But when you're sitting in a sauna and, you know, for $500 and you're trying to lose those last five pounds and, you know, it's just, I've never made an honest attempt to get down to 145 and I think I could, but with that being said, do I want to do it on the biggest stage of them all and gas out or lose my power or lose my speed? I already know how I feel at 155. I know how strong I am. I know how hard I hit. I already, like I've, most of my career has been at 155. So as of right now, 155 is my home. If something happens down the road, you know, if I, you know, if I start getting light because I'm going to be training and using nutritionists at the PI, mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about it. You know, me and Alex Casares went back and forth like four years ago on Twitter talking shit. And I just remember him saying to me, he's like, let me know when you get, here. let me know when you get here, like laughing emojis and shit. I'm like, All right, well, I'm here now, motherfucker. And, uh, you know, if you want, if you don't want yourself, I'm going to be coming down to 45 looking for you. So, but as of right now, 155 is my home. You you bring up Alex Caceres and uh, one of the names that watching one of your other interviews and doing some research, uh, Drakkar Close uh, was another name that popped up. Uh, he now just so I have the story right, he beat you in the finals of the the state championship in Michigan. Is that accurate? So it was it was a shitty bracketing. So I was fifty eight no, Drakkar was fifty five no, and I don't again remember exactly how the match went. Uh, I can't, I can't play by play. All I know is I lost by a point and it was a stalling point. And uh, I remember I had to take him down in the last 30 seconds uh, to win the match. And, and I didn't. Um, and I think Dracarys is a, Dracar is a great athlete. I think he's a great fighter. He's a great addition to the UFC. Um, I would like to get some momentum going behind my name because like I said, no one knows who I am and everybody already knows who he is. I think he's like, he has like six or seven fights in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. And he's had some great fights too. So I don't want to be, you know, the little puppy barking at the old big dog. Uh, I want to get some momentum, get two or three wins in a row, and I would love to punch Jakar in the face for beating me in high school. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the, the that's I feel like that's kind of the the double edged sword with getting a forty second KO. I mean, you, you obviously you got that's a big win to get in your debut, but then you weren't on TV long enough for people to, you know what I mean? That <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, you just got lucky, you just got lucky. It's like, well. Maybe I did, but guess what? I got another chance, and we'll see how lucky I can get again. How how many interviews have you done in the last two weeks? Probably twenty five. Nice. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I mean, did you? Does it? I mean, you're doing one for us, so obviously I appreciate it. But uh, did you? Did you ever? I mean, what is that like? What is it like all of a sudden having? You know, we're we're a smaller podcast, but what is it like having big outlets all of a sudden contacting you and 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 you know, you're, you're the man right now. You know, how, do, how does that feel? What is it? What is that like? Fucking love it. Love it more than anything. <laughs> I, I love, I'm not just how I love the attention. What I love about it is I want everybody to know my story. I don't want people just to look and be like, Oh, he's 15 and four. Like, Oh, he had some good wins and this and that. But I want them to know the true story, the true, the true hardships that I've faced, you know, financially, physically, mentally, you know, knowing that, you know, I, I sac- like I sold my devil to this. I, I sold my soul to the devil for this sport. I mean, I, I you know, I, I hate to even admit it. It makes me so sad. Like I traded this moment for basically the youth of my son. Like it's, and I hate saying it like that, but in a nut, I mean, I'm not saying I, never, I see him every other month. I come to Michigan very often. He comes to Vegas with me in the summer, but you know, 
I wasn't, I wasn't there, you know, and when, when he's coming home with his homework and helping him with his homework, like maybe you are with your kids or, you know, and, and I want people to understand like how much I put into this, like I sacrificed all that. And yeah, there are days I regret it, but then, you know what, when he told me, when I saw the video, so he watched the fight at his friend's house and the mom videotaped all the kids watch. Cause I run a kid's program in Vegas. And when I hit him, he's like, oh, and he's covering his face with this pillow. He's holding a pillow like this. And he's like, oh, and then he throws the pillow up in there. He's like, that's my dad. That's my dad. And when I saw the video, I started crying because I was like, that's like the best thing I've ever, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Like that's, it made everything worthwhile. And I know for the rest of my life, I'm going to have that video. And although I might not have been there, you know, in his early years, he's going to understand why. And he has a great mom and he has a great stepdad. And, you know, we all stay in touch really well. It's not like I'm out of the loop. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, everything just worked out so great. And, you know, like I said, that's my big, that was my biggest motivation. And I just want, I want to do as many podcasts because I want everybody to know my story. I, I, I didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and like, all right, you're in the UFC. Like this was very, very hard. And, uh, it's the biggest accomplishment I've ever had in my life to say the least. How old oh, is yeah. your son? Sorry. He's 11. He's 11. Reminded me of the Ro- Rocky, you know, what's the scene in Rocky where the kids are watching him fight Ivan Drago or so you want, they're watching it on TV in the middle of the night and you know, they're all shadow boxing and jumping around the living room. That's, that's an amazing story. That's something that uh, generations of your family should be able to share. Think about it like that, but I'm going to actually, now that you said that, I'm going to take the clip of that and then put them side by side and do like a five second video. And like I said, it's, it's the most emotional um, feeling I could ever have. And uh, I just want to, excuse me i just want everybody to know that side of the story that i just didn't wake up and it all just happened to me like this has been a hard process i've had three vehicles stolen in vegas my last time stolen my dad had to buy a thousand dollar crv and drive it out to vegas from michigan uh, because i had no transportation you know three vehicles stolen like who the fuck how does that happen does that does that happen to anybody of course it happens to me though my my car was broken (laughs) into last week and my stereo was stolen so it does happen to other people (laughs) yeah no i mean it I had my truck stolen out of my, so when I fought Robbie Ostevich, Rachel Ostevich's brother, I went to Hawaii and I lost the decision. I did not lose the decision. If you watch the fight, it's a boring as fuck fight. I wrestle fucking the whole time and I lose the decision to the hometown guy. I'm fucking bummed. I'm like four and one. I go back to my hotel room, sulking like a little bitch. My roommate calls me from Michigan or from Vegas. And he's like, Hey, your truck's not here. I was like, oh, I probably parked it at the gym. Can you look for it tomorrow morning? He's like, yeah, Hey, it's not there. Get a police report. Someone stole my truck, drove it off a cliff. I'm like motherfucker. So I get a car. One year later, someone takes it out. I'm I'm in the house sleeping. Takes my car. Uh, two years after that, Cody Stamen sells me his motorcycle. I'm driving it to the gym. I go into the gym to do a client comeback. Motorcycle stolen. Like I've had I've had a rough shake of things, man. So yeah, yeah, man. I mean, uh, well, it goes back to what I was saying before about you know finding your calling and sticking to your passion and making the sacrifices to to get to. You know, the fighter's life, you know, I, I know a lot of fighters have similar stories like that. And, and yours is, uh, that's kind of why I, I do what I do for, for media. I never call myself a journalist, but I prefer to tell, or at least help fighters tell these stories. So, so that, you know, the, the people that are, that are yelling, rip his dick off and stuff in the crowd know that you guys are actual, you know, athletes that, that sacrifice a lot. And, and, you know, I mean, and, and as a martial artist, you know, uh, I think the ultimate goal as a lifelong martial artist is to pass on something from the art to, to your kids, to, to other people. And, and in this day and age in 2020 with the, with the medium that you're on, you're doing you're not only doing that through your competition, but 
you know, with the knowledge you're gaining, you can, you know, uh, you're, you, I know you said your son's 11, but you know, you're going to be able to pass on all that knowledge to him and that, that, that image of him, you know, cheering for you, holding the pillow and stuff. Like when he's in his teens and learning from learning all the knowledge you have, he's going to be like, you know, I need to listen to this guy. He knocked out Frank Camacho in 40 seconds. So <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? So I, I just wanted to say, I mean, like the, the motivation for, for guys that choose a life like that. I mean, it's like, again, it's motivating for me just to see it. And I mean, like, I, I, I know Matt, you, everybody mentioned my black belt, but I mean, for me, I, I have to train because it's become a part of like, like I, I for me, it's like, a, I have to train because it's, it's like water for me, I, food and everything. I just been doing it so long. I can't lift weights and run if, if I'm not doing it for, for training, you know what I mean? So, so it, it just becomes a part of your life. And, and, uh, I think more folks need to see that 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 your fighters like yourself and others that are competing all over, not just in the UFC. I just think it's good for folks to see that. So I'm looking forward. I hope you get something uh, as soon as you want it. Right. You know what? Like I said, I'm ready to go. As soon as my suspension's up, I go back to Vegas July 12th. I'm going to jump right back into training. I'm going to lube this all up. You know, <laughs> and I'm going to be ready to go. I'm going to call it. I'm going to let uh, you know, Jason House, no, like, hey, I'm ready to go. Like I said, 155, 170. I would like a little bit of notice, of course. But you know what? I'll jump in there on the, just like I did this time. You know, 24-hour, 40-hour notice. Let's fucking go. Let's roll the dice. Let's have some fun, and let's put on a show. Awesome. Well, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I recognized your name from your World of Series of Fighting uh, fight, but I wasn't super – knowledgeable on your on your career but just hearing your interview now watching the camacho fight talking to johnny about you um it, it doesn't seem like it could have happened to a better person you, you seem like a real down-to-earth dude um just this conversation alone i mean it seems like you, you grabbed a beer for the before the show sounds like a real you know my kind of my kind of person is somebody who grew up in the old school mma and was around it around the same probably 10 years prior to you i was in the 90s when it was West, wild west out here and actually in the west um and a lot of people like you where it was you know baddest dude in town worked so hard finally got to this level and uh, to have it pay off man i, I just uh I, I i wish the best for you man and, and hearing the story about your kids and stuff i mean it just uh it, it's awesome and i love to see how this sport has able to help uh people like you you know it's not you don't need a degree to do this sport. You don't, you didn't have to go to college to do this sport. Um, and it took you a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat. And at the age of 30, after shoot, what, 15 years of grinding away, basically, uh, is it's paid off. So, uh, just the best to you, man. Uh, I, you know, we've had two UFC fighters on this show now, you and Steven Wonderboy Thompson. So, uh, you've got good company and, uh, we definitely look forward to rooting for you. I know you got two new fans here and, and we'd love to talk to you again in the future as, as success continues to roll your way. Well, Hey man, I appreciate you guys reaching out anytime you want to chat, man. I just like to talk, dude. Like I said, after my career's over in MMA, I don't want to get away from the sport. I want to go into the commentating aspect because you know, I, I have a heavy breath, man. And I can, I can, I can talk for a long period of time. Sometimes I'm talking. I don't even know what the fuck. I, I don't even remember what the question was because I'm talking so much. <laughs> Anytime you guys want to, you know, chat, chop it up, holler at me, and I'll be more than happy. I'm your Huckleberry. Awesome. Well, uh, why don't you throw out your Twitter handles, or let's let's make you more famous. Uh, throw throw out any way people can get a hold of you. Yeah, Twitter, uh, Justin James MMA. Uh, Instagram is J A Y zero nine M I as in Michigan, and then uh, Facebook is just Justin James, an athlete page. 
Awesome. Well, uh, fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow me at MMAHawk21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbizal on Twitter, Carbizal on Instagram. Justin, thanks for joining us, man. All the best of luck. Uh, we'll be looking for another fight announcement. And like I said, uh, you know, you're welcome on the show anytime, and we'd love to keep in contact for the rest of your career. Please. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys so much. You guys have a good night, all right? You, you too, too, brother. Thank you. Take it easy. Good night. Hey, guys. Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening, and if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast, maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.